This inspiring message comes to you from Impact Church in Kingston, Ontario, where we are committed to living like Jesus and loving like Jesus. It is our prayer that this message blesses and enriches your life. It's appropriate today that we are going to be talking about thankfulness on Thanksgiving Sunday. Happy Thanksgiving, by the way, everyone. It is uh, great to have you here. Uh, Excited to carry on with our message series called Vintage. And um, excited about this for a lot of different reasons. Um, But one of the things that I've really thought about in the last couple of years is how far we have strayed from the moral compass and the moral code of our culture. How far we have come, and now people are calling us outdated, old-fashioned, archaic with some of the thoughts and ideas that we have. But I would, I would be so um, bold to say this morning, um, sometimes the best ideas are those that are vintage, those that are classic. Uh, the definition of vintage literally means this, something characterized by excellence, maturity, and enduring appeal, something that is classic, of lasting interest, and importance. I'm going to say that again. Vintage, something characterized by excellence, maturity, and enduring appeal. Something that is classic, of lasting interest, and importance. Last week, Sandra did an incredible message on the principle of honor. How many were blessed last week by that message? Well, I'm going to talk this morning about the spirit or the principle of thankfulness. Um, and I obviously think it's appropriate today. There was a consultant um, in Northeast United States that was assigned to work with um, some last-year college students that were approaching the end of their uh, college uh, life and, and obviously going on to the workforce. And, and this consultant, I mean, he had many goals and he had many um, things that he was trying to accomplish with these group of college students. Um, but one of the things that he talked about in the very first session was he wanted to give some feedback to the potential employees of what employers are saying about their generation, to help them prepare them for the workforce. How many think that's a good idea? It's a good idea to be prepared, right? So he started by saying this very, very simple question. He said, if there's one word that you could use to describe the emerging generation that is coming into the workforce, what do you think it would be? And he says, it's interesting, but it starts with the letter E. So all the college students are like, okay, well, energetic enthusiastic, uh, excellent, exceptional. He goes, really? Is there anything else? Goes, and so they went through their list. Gets to the end, he says, actually, uh, you didn't hit, he didn't hit the one. The one word that every workplace employer is saying right now about your generation. You guys have any idea what it is? Entitled. Entitled. Exactly. Entitled. In fact, the millennials have actually been... Uh, labeled as the entitled generation, those who feel like everyone owes them something and they deserve more. Now, before the millennials feel bad and they start throwing things at me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring some context to this. I want to I wanna make a statement that the millennial in, generation issue is not just connected to them. It's a society problem. We have encouraged it. We've enabled it. Our parenting skills and styles have enabled entitlement. Okay, just got silent there. All right. All right. Woohoo! Are you ready for today? That's good. So, I want to just talk very briefly about two ways that we have enabled this issue. 
um, two ways that even our generation has enabled this issue. Um, and the first thing is, I would say, our generation of adults right now are an overworked generation. Would you not agree? And so one of the, the byproducts of being an overworked generation is that we have a really hard time saying no to our children. Because we want to give them the best of whatever time we've got left to give them. So the last thing we want is a battle. Right? So we have far too many parents not saying no to their kids, and now their kids are developing some, some stuff that, that isn't necessarily good. You know, they are, uh, they're developing a sense of entitlement. And our generation is a little bit messed up with this, because one of the things that we have gone through is we've made this statement, I don't want to have or give to my kids what I was given from my parents. And so what it does is it creates a skewed version of parenting. Right? Well, I didn't have this as a child, so I want to give this to my child to make sure that they are blessed and they are excited. And unfortunately, we create the very thing that we don't want to have. Some people work harder to make more money so that we can have more, but it's not necessarily solving any of life's issues. Would you say amen to that? The second issue that we have is we've created an overprotected culture or an overprotected generation. I don't know about you, but when I grew up as a child, which wasn't that long ago, um, we were able to ride on the back of pickup trucks. You know what I'm saying? We were able to ride on bikes without helmets. Shh. Right? And not very many children died. And those that did, the parents were probably saying, shame on you because you didn't listen to me. Right? We actually had to win something in order to get a medal. We just didn't get a ribbon for showing up. Think about what this is doing to our kids. You can just show up and not give your best effort, and we're going to reward you. Sense of entitlement. We've overprotected them. And again, I'm not saying it's bad on that generation. It's bad on all of us. Because we're living in a culture right now that is creating a sense of entitlement. Okay? So I want to talk today about thankfulness, and especially I want to talk about an attitude of gratitude, all right? So Luke chapter 17, we're going to just kind of hover on this little story for a couple minutes. And it says this, Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. And as he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. Now, I know some of us... um, would probably not know this just because leprosy is not exactly a common thing as it was back then. But back in the day, leprosy was one of the most painful diseases you could ever experience because at points your flesh would eat away and the nerve endings from your body would be uh, susceptible to the elements and that would be some of the most painful things you could ever go through. But it wasn't just the most painful disease, it was also the most humiliating disease. When someone got within a certain distance of you, you had to yell out, unclean, unclean, to warn the people to stay away. Can you imagine the emotional, psychological, and mental anguish that these people had to go through all the time because they were ignored and rejected? No one could get close to them. So not only was it a physical issue, it was a mental, psychological, and emotional issue. It goes on in verse 14, and it says, When he saw them, he said, Go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went... They were cleansed. As they went, they were cleansed. Now, I want you to put yourself in their shoes just for a second. Can you imagine praying your guts out for years for the most important issue 
in your life? What would you do if in a miraculous supernatural way God answered that prayer? We'd be doing the little Shekinah glory dance. You know what I'm saying? We're going to be, can't get enough of your present, present. We'd be doing all kinds of crazy stuff. But watch what happens. The most incredibly crazy, big, supernatural miracle of their life happens as they walk towards where the priests were. And then verse 15 says something incredibly surprising. Shocking, actually. Luke 17, verse 15, it says, One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. I have a question for you. How many lepers did Jesus meet? How many came back to thank him? Wow. The biggest miracle that they have been believing God for for their entire life happens. And only one comes back to thank the very person that made it happen. Only one. Those ten had nothing left. They were literally living out the rest of their life in survival mode, knowing that it was only a matter of time before they died of their disease. I honestly can say to you this morning, I honestly don't believe that the, the nine guys were bad guys. But somehow they disconnected. And I'm almost wondering if they thought to themselves, well, it was about time they healed me. It's about time, God, that you finally broke through. I have been praying for so many years. And where were you? I have been wallowing in my self-pity for 27 and a half years. Actually, seven months, 12 days, and 37 hours. Not that I'm counting. <laughs> I honestly believe that they thought to themselves, man, I'm entitled to this healing because I've been suffering enough. Right? But only one stopped to thank God. Verse 16 says this, He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. The very group of people that would never associate with a Jew, the Samaritans, he's the only one that came back to thank God. Huh. Crazy, eh? The Message Bible of Luke 17, 15, 16 says this, One of them, when he realized that he was healed, turned around and came back, shouting his gratitude, glorifying God. He kneeled at Jesus' feet, so grateful he couldn't thank him enough, and he was a Samaritan. Verse 17 and 18 says, Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? I have a question for you this morning. This is really the entire point of the entire message. So if this is the only thing you get, then you've got it. Are you ready? Will you be the one? Will you be the one? Will you be the one that stops and thanks God? Will you be the one that gives God praise in the midst of your circumstances, even though the answered prayer has not come yet? Will you be the one to write that thank you note to someone who blessed you? Will you be the one to stop our Impact Kid volunteer this morning before you leave and thank them for taking care of and ministering to your children? Will you be the one, are you ready for this? To thank your parents for caring for you, for protecting you, for providing for you. Will you be the one as parents to thank your kids for the blessing that they are in your life? Will you be the one that will actually go on Facebook and use it for good rather than for evil? And thank people on Facebook rather than 
rather than some of the other extracurricular activities that go on there. Right? Be thankful. Well, there's another interesting story that I want to just read. And it really reveals two ungrateful mindsets. And then we're going to take a little bit of a spin, a little bit of a turn. It's Luke chapter 15. It's the prodigal son story. And starting in verse 11 and 12, it's, the, it's a little uh, insight into the younger son's life. And it says, there was a man who had two sons. And the younger one said to his father, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. Have you ever heard that from anyone? Father, give me my, sh- give me my share of the estate. Dad... I want, give me now, right? Have you ever heard that in your life? Okay, I got five kids, so I've heard it. Okay, I've heard it enough. But the first ungrateful mindset is I want it now. I don't know if you've realized uh, in our culture, but that you can get any information right now. It's at your fingertips. Just pull out your smartphone. If you have a dumb phone, then get a smartphone because that will help you get all the information very, very quickly and then you'll be free. But I'm telling you right now, we can at the push of a button get anything we want, any information, any media, anything that we want right now. But what are the people who are like this? What are they like? Well, they are the people, are you ready for this? And I know I've done it, so that's why I can laugh about this, because I've done this before. Who stood in a fast food line and complained that five minutes was too long. Right? Never considering that someone's actually cooking your food, making it for you, and handing it to you. Right? I want it now. We have become so conditioned to be the deserved and the demanding generation. It's like the younger... Son said, give me, give me, give me. Now, I don't know if you've put all this story together, but traditionally you don't get your inheritance until after the father dies. So not only did he say, give me, but he did it in a very rude, untimely manner. Can you imagine, as the father, your son coming to you and basically saying, I want you to be dead so I can have your money? How many just feel like, you know, grace oozing out of you if you were to ever hear that, (laughs) right? I don't know about you, but there's no such thing as grace in that moment. There is death. There is death, and you just better believe that you believe in raising from the dead or you're going to meet Jesus very soon. But I'm telling you right now, we have got to uh, watch out for this whole idea of we want it now. What's really crazy about the story is for some crazy reason, the father actually gave it to him. And I go, wow, you just enabled that generation to say, give me, give me, give even more. So parenting 101. When asked for your inheritance, say, forget it. I'm not dying for a thousand years, boy. (laughs) All right, okay. Woo, all right. What's interesting here is what took the father years upon years upon years to accumulate. This son squandered it away in a matter of weeks. It wasn't just that he squandered it, it was how he squandered it, which was probably the most discouraging. Can I get really practical for a second and give you a modern day example? Are you ready? Okay. So, um, hmm. Why is it that young people 
want what it took their parents 20 years to get. But they want it right away. They want the 2,000 square foot home, four bedroom home on a nice lot. They want the new car. They want all these different things. They want to take a vacation every year. And I can honestly remember when I grew up, I had one vacation in my 20 years of growing up. One. But man, it was a good one. It was a good one. So I learned something from my parents and my grandparents that many people, unfortunately, have never heard of. I'm going to give you another example. Are you ready for this one? We have this really, really old-fashioned, crazy, archaic uh, philosophy, and it kind of went something like this. If we wanted to buy something, we saved up money and didn't buy it until we had money. In other words, we paid for it in cash. Obviously, the exception to that would be your house. But if anyone wants to give me that kind of cash, you just go right ahead. I'll take it. (laughs) But they paid for it in cash. Why is it that they paid for it in cash? Because they learned how to wait. Waiting is not bad. Waiting teaches you things. Waiting teaches you patience. And wait means that you don't get it now. Right? But think about this, from our, our, our world right now, they're throwing all kinds of credit cards, even at young people, and say, hey, a 19.5% interest, no big deal, you can handle it, you can handle it, but then you deal with the stress every single week of the financial worry that you can't handle it. How do I know? Been there. <laughs> okay? I know what that's like. All right? Proverbs 22.7, it says, and the borrower is servant to the lender. The borrower is servant to the lender. How, what is the Bible saying here? Don't come under the influence of somebody else that now has control over your finances. Like right now, the Chinese government could adjust their currency and absolutely hang the entire country of the United States of America. Because 60% of America is owned by China. That's crazy. That's crazy. But yet, we go through in some ways the same thing. So let's look at the second brother very quickly. It says, if you remember the story... The younger brother um, obviously came to his senses, came back to his father, and as the father saw him a long way off, he ran out to meet his son. He, he literally called, you know, had a big welcome home party. He gave them the fatted calf like from the keg, which was really good. And he gave them a signet ring, and he gave them a robe that signified that you're welcome back as a son, not as a slave, even though the, the son thought, man, I could just come back as a slave, and that's good enough for me. But he said, no, I'm going to give you the family robe and the family signet ring to signify that you are our son and that you're not going to go. But look what the older brother's response was. Luke 15, 29, it says, But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. You didn't even give me a Wendy's number one with a large chocolate frosty. You didn't even give me that. And you took the onions off too, which wasn't very good. Right? So what happens here is the second ungrateful mindset is that I deserve more. So I want it now as the first one. second one is I deserve more. They're the people that say, look at what I've done, but what do I get for that? Nothing. Right? Nothing. They feel like someone owes them. They deserve better pay. They may deserve a promotion. They feel better than somebody else. Um, 
One of the funniest things I've ever seen as a parent, and I've seen this happen far too many times to admit, but one of the ones that makes me laugh is when you see a 12-year-old complaining that they don't have the latest iPhone. Yeah, and I just kind of go, whew, okay. And then, of course, some special interest groups will claim child abuse. Moving right along. Anyhow, okay. All right, all right, all right, all right, right. So nine out of ten people think this way, but one didn't. Will you be the one? Nine out of ten people think their TV's too small, their car's too small, their car's too old, their house is too small, something's not right with something in their life. And they're always looking for something else. How many have ever complained that their internet speed is too slow? Come on, come on, let's be honest. Come on, I can get all your hands up, I can feel it right now. If I just had the hotspot on my cell phone, I wouldn't solve everything. <laughs> but it's not going to solve everything. Some people have actually looked at my, uh, my Ford. His name is Freddie. So if you ever walk by my little Ford, his name is Freddie. You can refer to him by first name. So it's all good. But some people who have come in my vehicle with me, they look at my car and they go, what are those on the side of the door? <laughs> it, I said, it goes like this. And then on this side, it goes like that. And they're like, it makes the window come down? I went, isn't that crazy? That's like engineering 101. It goes like this, and it comes down. It says, well, how does it go back up? The opposite way. Counterclockwise, people. And it solves all life's problems. Sometimes the best things are the old-fashioned, vintage, archaic things because when I'm stuck in a car accident, I'm the only one in any vehicle that can get out. (laughs) Right? That's right. Some of us are jealous of other people's relationships. Some of us are frustrated at our spouses for what they do wrong rather than being thankful for what they do right. And some of us are mourning the loss of their hair, their athletic figure, and their hockey teams. And I'm not mentioning any names. I just feel I have to get that off my chest this morning. But anyhow, that's all good. That's all good. So how do we cultivate an attitude of gratitude? How do we turn it around? Well... I think it's very simple. Are you ready for the most simple, basic thing on the planet today? Are you ready? Write this down because it's so important. Just don't write it down the blue paper. Write it down somewhere else. Text yourself. Are you ready for this? Decide to turn your blessings into praise. Decide to turn your blessings into praise. Every time you get blessed, turn it into praise. Thank God. Come back and thank God. Keep coming back and thanking God. Every single thing you get. You may say, well, you know, I don't really know what to thank God for. Listen, if you made it home from work that day, thank God that you didn't get into an accident. Thank God that your kids came home and they're not out partying, smoking weed. Right? Thank God that your bank account isn't as good as it should be, but it's still not bad. Thank God that you're not dying. Right? Thank God that you have health. Why is this important? Because every blessing that we don't turn back into praise turns into pride. Every blessing that we don't turn back into praise turns into pride and a sense of entitlement. I deserve it. I want it now. 
Colossians 3.15 says this, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And what's the key? And be thankful. What's the key to peace? Thankfulness. You want peace? Be thankful. Right? The, me- the Message Bible says this, Let the peace of Christ keep you in tune with each other, in step with each other. None of this going off and doing your own thing. And cultivate thankfulness. Cultivate is a word that talks about intentionality. Cultivate thankfulness. How many know, and if we're all being honest this morning, how many know that to cultivate thankfulness is going to go against our natural desire? Right? How many know that you could see a a Blue Jays game, and the only thing you remember, not the score at the end of the box score, but the only thing you remember is the missed call on Tulowitzki's tag at second base. But I'm not going to talk about how, how hard I'm dealing with that right now. But I'm telling you, there was at least this much space. When he tagged him, he was out! And they would have been winning the game. But I'm okay with that. The point is, is that oftentimes in life we see something great, but we have a, a mindset to hone in on what's not quite right. What's off, what's wrong. And God wants us to turn it around. I want us to thank God today for the price that Jesus paid on the cross. There's a reason why I brought this cross up here today, because I believe it's the symbol of, of, of the source of all thankfulness. If we just keep looking at this, we can be thankful for the rest of our lives. No matter what's going on in our natural life, we can be thankful that we have a place secured in heaven that we're going to. And Jesus has paid a way that we can even have heaven on earth while we're here. He wants us to thank Him for His everlasting love. He wants us to thank Him for His mercy because it's new every morning. And He wants us to thank Him today for His grace that is immeasurable and limitless. So let's make a decision today to live with an attitude of gratitude. Thank you for taking the time to listen to one of our messages from Impact Church. We hope and trust that this message encouraged you. If you want to find out more information about our church, check us out online at www.impactkingston.com. 